Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Today is Monday. It's the 25th of July. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Relatives have set up a fundraiser to create a trust fund for the nine-year-old boy who survived the shooting at a state park that killed his parents and younger sister on Friday. State investigators say Sarah Schmidt, her husband Tyler, and their six-year-old daughter Lula of Cedar Falls were killed Friday morning while camping at Makokata Cave State Park. Cedar Falls Mayor Bob Green shared in a Facebook post that nine-year-old Arlo Schmidt had survived the attack and was safe. A cousin of the family set up a GoFundMe account for the boy. By yesterday evening, more than $163,000 had been donated. Sarah Schmidt worked at the Cedar Falls Public Library, and the library is accepting cards, drawings, and other mementos in honor of the family. A case, or rather, as cases of monkeypox increase across the country, Iowa infectious disease specialists say the risk to the public remains low. We get the details from IPR's Katie Pikus. More than 2,500 cases of monkeypox have been confirmed across the country, five in Iowa. Mercy One Des Moines has one patient under investigation but doesn't have test results back. Dr. Anissa Afroz of Mercy One Des Moines says even though the risk to the public is low, providers are watching monkeypox closely. Providers are watching uh, patients presenting with any kind of rash that fits into the category of viral pox infection. People with monkeypox may have a fever, chills, or a rash that looks like pimples. The virus is spread through kissing, sex, or skin-to-skin contact with a rash. A spokesperson for the Iowa Department of Public Health says Iowa has more than 600 doses of a monkeypox vaccine. The state has prioritized it for people who have been exposed to monkeypox. Many residents of northeast Iowa spent yesterday cleaning up after a round of severe weather swept through the area Saturday night into yesterday morning. At the height of the storm, about 12,000 customers had lost power with lots of tree damage and downed power lines. Sean Snyder is emergency management coordinator in Winnesheet County. The city of Calmer was the hardest hit. Uh, NICC, South Wind uh, uh, School District uh, was hit as well as the residents of, of Calmer. Snyder says there was structural damage to the Northeast Iowa Community College campus there. The Fidelity Bank will be closed today due to damage to the building on Calmer's Main Street. Calmer received three inches of rain as well. Nearly four inches fell in Decorah, and storm damage closed a 13-mile bike trail around Decorah. One measure of inflation estimates grocery shoppers are paying 12% more at checkout than they were a year ago. Harvest Public Media's Elizabeth Rimbert tells us those steep prices might create an opportunity for local farmers and ranchers. It takes more money to grow food right now. It's expensive to fertilize the soil, and it's expensive to truck product across the country. National brands have raised their prices to keep up with expenses, but local producers are shielded from some of those costs. Jenny Osner has watched this play out at her grocery store in Conway Springs, Kansas. For example, while the prices for national egg brands have risen, the costs for local producers' eggs have stayed more level. So people were, of course, wanting to buy her farm fresh eggs because it was the cheapest product in the store in that category. In the end, they were able to raise the price slightly for the fresh eggs. And Osner says her customers are still choosing local. 
And the rules for collecting unemployment in Iowa changed this month, going from 26 weeks to 16 weeks before the unemployment benefits end. Iowa Workforce Development Director Beth Townsend says it's too early to know if that has had an impact yet. The June unemployment rate fell to the level we saw before the pandemic hit. This is here first from IPR News. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade means millions of people are poised to lose access to abortion services. And the states with the greatest restrictions happen to have some of the highest maternal mortality rates with major gaps in rural maternity care. That includes physical exams, blood tests, and ultrasounds to monitor fetal development. For the Midwest Newsroom, April Rickert reports. If you're pregnant and live in a rural area, you might struggle to access prenatal care. Dr. Anna Banfield saw this firsthand when she worked as an OBGYN in rural West Virginia. We have a lot of mothers in our country who are suffering because potentially, in many cases, there are breakdowns in the prenatal care system. Half of all U.S. counties had not even one dedicated OBGYN in 2019. That's according to federal data. And there's concern that pending abortion bans in places already lacking maternal health care resources could mean more pregnancies to come and worse outcomes. Like much of the U.S., Kentucky suffers from a lack of rural OBGYNs. And here, people are twice as likely to die from pregnancy-related causes than the rest of the country. There are nearly 40 maternal deaths for every 100,000 births. Banfield says prenatal care is so important for improving outcomes. That's especially true for people with high-risk health conditions. We may have a patient who has hypertension. You know, we may have a a mother who has um, a placenta that's inappropriately located and has bleeding outside the hospital that results in hemorrhage that is life-threatening. She says even people with low-risk pregnancies should have regular checkups. And pregnant people in rural areas have higher rates of conditions like diabetes and high blood pressure. Oftentimes that means that the number of visits that they are recommended to have can be substantially increased. While family doctors can provide prenatal care in rural areas, not all do, says Dr. Lars Peterson, a family physician in Kentucky. He's vice president of research for the American Board of Family Medicine. There's a persistent pattern of rural family physicians in Kentucky are doing prenatal care and delivering babies less than neighboring states and nationally. Um, which could indicate an access problem. Melissa Egan says there are many additional barriers to care, like a lack of insurance and systemic racism in health care. She's a senior policy analyst at the Commonwealth Institute of Kentucky. Egan says doctors often blame patients for not accessing prenatal care, when sometimes it's about a breakdown of trust. A woman may have seen her provider, and that provider may have expressed something that she perceived as being racist. And she may not want to come to that provider any longer. She may not trust that provider. She may stop using prenatal care altogether or may want to find another provider. Banfield, the OBGYN, says while the causes are many, the result of low prenatal health care is the same. Bad outcomes for patients and babies. And that, she says, is likely to get worse with the overturn of Roe v. Wade. The post-Roe situation and the issues we have with maternal mortality and the issues that we have with access to care in rural areas of the United States, and even some urban areas that are under-resourced, are all coming together in a way 
that is going to make our situation when we are trying to fight a battle against maternal mortality a thousand times worse. While abortions are still legal in Kentucky and much of the Midwest, the services are getting harder to come by. Many states are cracking down. In the meantime, OBGYNs like Banfield are sounding the alarm about the potential consequences on pregnant people in rural areas who are already among the most vulnerable. For the Midwest Newsroom, I'm April Rickert. This story comes from a collaboration between WFPL, Side Effects Public Media, and the Midwest Newsroom. And you can find IPRs here first wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I'm Clay Masters. <laughs>